fund of common sense, generally fun, and hopefully helpful discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbiner. And I'm Kristen Chase. We are the founders of CoolMomPicks.com. Today is a big new milestone with us. It is. We're talking with our very first aerospace engineer about women role models in STEM, and you are just going to love the project that she's a part of. And you know what? So will your kids. In fact, I bet you already know what it is, but we're not going to tell you. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. And as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week. So Liz, let's tell everybody a little bit about our esteemed guest. Yes. So you may not know the name KG Shoujo B, but you definitely know some of her work. She earned a degree in aerospace engineering from UCLA and a master's from Stevens Institute of Technology before going on to work as a prominent aerospace space engineer for the past 15 years. Among her accomplishments, Kristen, you know me, data nerd, like I spent all morning digging into this. Her work on the James Webb Space Telescope, which is NASA's successor to the Hubble, is actually going to help us look back in time, which is kind of amazing. That's incredible. And throughout her career, she's prioritized mentoring STEM-interested Black girls, having been one herself and knowing the distinct internal obstacles they may face as they work towards academic and career goals. And her latest project, oh my gosh, we are so excited about this. This is cool, yeah. Yeah, KG is part of the brand new Netflix adaptation of the number one New York Times bestselling book, Ada Twist Scientist, by Andrea Beatty and David Roberts, which we've covered extensively on Cool Mom Picks. Maybe it's a favorite in your house too. So the series is executive produced by none other than President Barack and Michelle Obama and was developed by Chris Nee, the mind behind Doc McStuffins. The episodes follow the adventures of eight-year-old scientist Ada and her friends and include live action introductions to real-life scientists like our guest KG. So welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Thank you you both so much for having me. We are so glad to have you. Like I said, I totally am a data nerd and and yet I'm not a scientist, but I like digging into stuff. So first of all, your LinkedIn bio calls you an optomechanical subsystem RDE. So if you can help those of us not in aerospace engineering understand what that means, I would love that. Yes, for sure. So RDE stands for Responsible Design Engineer. And optomechanical means that basically I design the mechanical aspects of optical systems. So that could be a camera or it could be a laser. (laughs) So anything that uses optical glass lenses, mirrors to get a job done. So it's been primarily lasers for me in my optomechanical engineering career. You must be the coolest friend. Are you everyone's <laughs> coolest friend? Let's oh, just well, be honest. I, I don't know. You'd have to ask my friends. Because <laughs> uh, like, oh, all I keep like... thinking is you make lasers. You make I lasers. Like, oh, yeah. I, like, did you grow up watching Star Wars? Like, what, like, how did you decide that this is something you wanted to pursue? Funny enough, I kind of fell into the optomechanical side of things. Aerospace, you know, like building things that fly, stuff that goes to space. That is my background. Background, and I work for a company that does a lot of things, including <laughs> making lasers. And I just was sort of looking for a change from something I'd been doing before for a while, a few years ago, into something that was a little bit more rapidly paced. And laser systems right now are pretty cutting edge and are programmed.
program to do with lasers would give you sort of that startup vibe, which is a little bit what I was looking for. And they were looking for somebody at my company. And I was like, okay, let's go ahead and give this a try. And there are elements of my aerospace background that I've certainly used, but going into lasers specifically has actually honed my aerospace skills even more, even though it's not necessarily for space stuff. Can I just ask you, do you have like an official NASA jacket? (laughs) (laughs) I wish, honestly, like I wanted to work for NASA since preschool. So that'll be the dream when I get bestowed upon me a NASA jacket. We ask the hard questions here. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a NASA jacket? I mean, that's something I would know too. I would would want to know that a little bit. So let's talk about this show. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting. So the way that Ada Twist is structured, so Ada goes on short animated adventures, and then we get to meet real live scientists talking about what they do. So I totally understand what you do. You explained it very kindly and gently to us. Is that the way you describe it to kids? Like, do they get it when you talk to them? I'd be curious to know like how you describe your work to children. Yeah, I definitely start as simply as I can with just about everybody and talk about how I help make things that fly and things that go into space and also lasers. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of try to get an idea of the engagement from that with whomever I'm talking to. Usually with the kiddos, their eyes start to light up and usually the questions come like, you know, right away. And that sort of helps me figure out how else to continue explaining what I'm talking about. I'm not a huge fan of jargon, even like at work, I get really annoyed (laughs) when people Mm. start talking in like a lot of acronyms. I want to make sure that everybody I'm talking to can understand things as basically as possible from the get-go. Even if what I'm saying comes off as jargon more than I intend to, I'm always open to just people asking, hey, can you talk about that a little bit more and boiling it down even more if necessary, and then move moving on from there as they track with me. You're probably a very big hit at like career day at schools. Like I've been, I've been asked to do that. And I'm like, kids don't want to hear about podcasting. <laughs> I do love doing career days. It's definitely one of my favorite things to do. Well, I imagine when you take the time to explain things or try to use things that aren't jargon, it makes what you do more approachable and more within yeah. reach, right? Yeah. And I imagine that's a way to bring people into the world of STEM more easily, right? When they can relate to it and it's Absolutely. more approachable. I mean, even I am like, oh yeah, I totally get it. I feel a lot calmer now. <laughs> I'm never going to do it, but it feels a little bit within my reach. <laughs> sure. Oh, absolutely. And that is a a huge passion of mine, just sort of trying to remove the layers of intimidation from Mm. anything STEM related with people, particularly math and science. That's kind of a a lifelong mission of mine. And that's actually why I fell in love with the book Ada Twist Scientist when it first Mm. came out, because it's such a beautiful story about, I mean, for those of you who have not read it, I don't know who hasn't read it. I mean, I feel like everybody I know has this on their shelves, but it's about a little girl who didn't talk when she finally talked her first word was why and that leads her to become a scientist and we always make jokes about the why phase as parents like you know when toddlers hit that phase saying why 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 and one of the things the show teaches us and the book teaches us and I think it's a great lesson for parents as well is that it's good to ask why and so I'm wondering if that's how you grew up were you a curious kid like do you relate to Ada in some way I do definitely yes I was a curious kid and I'm the daughter of immigrants and immigrant myself, technically. I was a baby when I came here, but we came from Nigeria and there definitely is a culture of do as you're told. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. culturally, there were some times when like I knew not
not to ask why if my parents were telling me to do something, but my parents were also incredibly encouraging when it came to anything that I showed interest in, math and science related or anything else. And I was definitely curious if I wasn't necessarily asking them why they wanted me to like, you know, sit down and stay quiet if I came with them to work or something. (laughs) I was asking, you know, just why certain things are the way they are in Mm -hmm. the world. And they were always happy to answer or when they didn't have the answer, they gave me every opportunity that they were able to to get answers for myself. Mm. Like, you know, we had the Encyclopedia Britannica's in the house and they were so encouraging of me just like diving into those. I was born in the 80s, so there was no internet. Oh, <laughs> um, we hear you on that. Yeah. They were very special, those encyclopedias. <laughs> oh, sure. I loved those. Their kids have no idea. <laughs> Definitely. So yeah, I got a lot of encouragement as a kid for just being curious. Well, that's important. And I yeah. think sometimes as parents, we think we have to have the answers. So I love that point of your parents saying, I don't know the answer, but let's figure this out. Like, let's find this out together. And I know it's a little easier these days, right? Like you just like pull out your phone, you know, how much we trust Dr. Google or whatever is is another story. (laughs) But you know, it is a lot easier, but it can become a way for especially tweens and teens for you to bond with your kids who may not be as close to you. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Finding things out together. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the cool things also about the episodes is that, you know, she has these hypotheses and she tests them out and you realize Mm -hmm. that she's going through scientific method, but it's not presented that way. Like the way you're saying, it just brings it down to earth and just talks about asking questions, having guesses, seeing if the guesses are right or wrong, asking new questions. And I I think it makes that very accessible and helps kids say, oh, that's science. That's being a scientist. Mm, Exactly. Like when I think back to learning, you know, what the scientific method is back in, gosh, I don't know, sometime in elementary school, (laughs) but they tell you sort of the steps of it. Like you said, coming up with a hypothesis, testing the hypothesis, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, they use big words like hypothesis, but (laughs) all it is (laughs) when it comes down to it is just like, you've got an idea of something that's going on. You think you might know what it is. So you test it to see if that's what it is. And then you might find out that's not what it is. And so you move on to something else. That's all Mm -hmm. it is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And yeah, everybody uses the scientific method in some capacity. It's just for different things. I think that's actually really important because certain kids are not steered towards science, in particular girls and in particular girls of color. And so I love that you're bringing that experience to this. And, you know, I know one of the goals of the show is also to help shake up that perception of what a scientist is and who can be a scientist. So I'm wondering if you're seeing positive change in that direction. Like, do you think we're making progress? Do you think we have a ways to go? I think there's definitely progress being made for sure. I also think there's a way to go. So I've been in the industry for about 15 years, like you said, now. And I see more and more women not only coming in to the aerospace industry, but also being in positions of leadership. And that's definitely very encouraging. Um, At the same time, the ratios, you know, are still incredibly skewed towards white men. And I've worked several different projects at my company and to this day have never worked on a day-to-day basis with another Black person. Mm. I have always only ever been the only Black person on my team and maybe one of two women on a team of maybe on average eight or so. Mm. So there's definitely still work to go and I see the efforts being put into changing 
changing that. And I'm grateful for that. And I do my best to be part of those efforts as well. It's a work in progress. Well, one of the things we've talked about this a lot on the show with various guests, when we talk about women in the workplace and all kinds of workplaces, that one of the most essential things we can do as women, as we rise up is to mentor other right. women. Mm. Right. And that, that in itself has the most impact on who rises to the next level. And people tend to gravitate towards those they see themselves in. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, as long as there are white male CEOs, they often gravitate towards other young white men sure. to mentor. And sure. so we kind of need more of those women to rise to the top to help spread the love around and lift up more women around us. Yeah, it's so true. I am a benefit of the doubt kind of a person just naturally. And so I have a hard time thinking that when generally speaking, there's any deliberate malice mm -hmm. when it comes to, you know, choosing people for certain positions or something. But that's where explanations about systemic injustices come in. It's not necessarily sure. that anybody is specifically trying to go out of their way to not be equitable. But as you said, when 90% of the people leading a team or like even at the executive levels are white men, their spheres are going to be filled more with other white men or white boys who they will mentor. And that's just sort of how these things keep going. Yeah, that's been a focus of mine for a little while to just try to seek out some of the women and any Black women I might meet in particular and be that point of contact just to try to start evening things out a little bit. And you walk the walk. I mean, you we know you have a real commitment to mentoring young women and you did that for a while with Future Girls at the Beach. Can you talk a little bit about your work there? Absolutely, yes. Future Girls at the Beach was a mentoring program hosted at Cal State Long Beach University and they, they had three different mentor possibilities. There were student mentors, so those were college students. There were industry mentors, and that would be somebody like me. And then there were academic mentors. And we were all to mentor middle school and high school girls. That was the target of the program. Each year you could get assigned a new one or two mentees, or you could continue on with your mentee if they wanted to continue on with you. And I was privileged to get to mentor two amazing young women for their entire four years of high school. They are now in their junior years of college, Whoa, um, pursuing wow. technical degrees. I'm so, so proud of them. That's amazing. But, um, it was so great to meet them as they were coming into their freshman years of high school, just wide and bushy-tailed, wanting to know everything they could about engineering, doing amazing things in their high school, stuff that I didn't do as a high schooler in terms of just like, you know, creating amazing stuff. And then helping them with college applications when the time came, as they're getting ready for testing and all of that, and to see them graduate as well and then move on to their university careers has been amazing. I'm still in touch with them. I like to try to check with them every so often, especially, you know, over the last year we had, they were finishing their freshman years when the pandemic began mm. and it rocked their world for sure. But yeah. they are resilient. They're going into junior years right now and killing it. I'm so proud of them. But anyway, I was really glad to take part in this Future Girls program and to get these relationships with these two young women. And there are lots of other people. There are friends of mine who are also mentors in the program who have the same sort of a situation going on, just getting to help 
shepherd these young women through their questions and curiosities and now into early adulthood as they pursue their dreams. Well, it sounds life-changing for both of you. Like I imagine that it affects them in such a positive way. But I think when we think about mentoring, sometimes it's all about what we can give the students or the young women or the young people, but really they can give so much back to us too. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I'm constantly learning. Like everyone is my teacher. And these two young women were some of the best teachers when it came to this mentor relationship as well. So, Well, it's just clear how committed you are to this Mm -hmm. and to mentoring people and helping elevate the next generation of girls to want to get involved with STEM. I can see why you wanted to be involved with the Ada Twist series. I mean, it just called your name and it reached out and grabbed you and you were like, yep, we are meant to be together. (laughs) That's exactly what happened. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm wondering like what you suggest parents can do for kids. Those of us who are not aerospace engineers and do not build (laughs) lasers for a living. What can we do for our kids and especially girls to help encourage a love for math, science, engineering, technology? Oh man, I think about this a lot. Uh, There's a huge emphasis placed on early childhood literacy and sort of things leading up to that. Like, you know, people reading to their child, like in utero, that's sort Mm -hmm. of a thing, or even people just playing music for their child while they're in the womb. I love that kind of stuff. And I've wondered if there's any similar sort of stuff that could contribute to, you know, maybe like mathematical literacy. Again, with the focus of trying to remove the layers of intimidation that a lot of people have when it comes to math and science. And something that my parents did with me and my siblings, and I think about this a lot and I tell the story a lot, but I remember being a kid, not too long after we got to this country, there was this IHOP that we would always go to. And (laughs) we would sit at the IHOP and while we're waiting, you know, for a waiter to come around, my parents would pull out the sugar packets. You know how they keep the sugar Mm -hmm. and and stuff at the table. They'd pull out sugar packets and just lay them out on the table, like separating them in places and just have me count them. And then they would put two over here and three over here. And they say, okay, so what is two plus three? And I would just count them up and be like, it's five. And, you know, I was like maybe two or three years old at this time that this was happening. And I don't remember it being any kind of a cumbersome thing or like, uh oh, here come the sugar packets. I have to do work. It was just, (laughs) it was just fun. Yay. I get to count things. And I'm sure that things like that fostered my life love of math. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if parents could just play games, you know, with their kids from a very young age, I think that would be super helpful. Math games don't have to be anything beyond just that simple arithmetic. Right. You're not like, today we're going to memorize the quadratic equation. Absolutely. (laughs) You don't need that at all. If you are taking your three, four-year-old and just sort of helping them, even when it comes time to like put away your toys or something, be like, hey, how many of your little like toy cars are over there that you just picked up? Have them be like, oh, here, I'm counting four of them. Oh, I found one over here. What does four plus one mean? How many do you have now? Hey, that's five. I think stuff like that helps the child grow up not being scared of math. Mm -hmm. And so if you have that initial introduction of it being kind of a fun thing, if they end up having a propensity for math, all the other stuff is going to follow from there. Eventually they will memorize the quadratic equation in their time (laughs) and it won't be a big deal. But even if they don't get to that level, at least my hope would be that they would know that it's not something they have to be afraid of. Well, and you're making it a bonding experience. Right. It's just like something. It it sounded like it was a fun thing. You were waiting for your gigantic stack of pancakes. And, you know, (laughs) so there was all that reinforcement and 
you were getting attention from your parents and it was positive and fun. And I love how you speak about reading literacy, like all of the things that we focus on. And I agree with you that if we had the same focus on math and science as we did on reading, I love reading. Don't get me wrong. LeVar Burton, don't come after us. <laughs> we had him on the show and he was lovely. Please but, not, you know, Mr. Burton. I think that, you know, like you said, just kind of incorporating it into your everyday life. It's the way that you relate to your kids. That's just fabulous advice. But, you know, we have to end with the most important. No, it's not yeah, the most important this question, is important, but actually, this is a very yeah. important question. <laughs> So we have to know, did you get to meet Tay Diggs, who, oh my gosh, <laughs> FYI, <laughs> listeners, he is a voice actor in the Ada Twist Scientist Netflix series. So we have to you know. know. <laughs> so the way that the production of this thing went, I didn't know anything about the other cast at all until we started getting the trailers coming out and all this kind of stuff. So when I saw that cast list, I was like, hold the phone, Tay Diggs. <laughs> <laughs> And, and then also I found out about the Obamas. I was like, whoa. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Hello. So I didn't get to meet any of them. But hey, you know, life isn't over. There's still time. I was just going to say there's still time. And <laughs> yeah. after this important interview on Spawn <laughs> with Kristen yes. and Liz. <laughs> yeah, you'll be at the Emmys. Yes. And by the way, I love that we're like, oh, yeah, the Obamas. But did you meet Tay Jim? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a pretty big deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. We are so glad to talk to you. You're amazing. Your enthusiasm for this is infectious. And I know that's going to come through. And that's so much what's great about this series. Mm -hmm, For mm -hmm. those of our listeners who want to check it out, it's on Netflix. It just launched on September 28th, 82 a scientist. And you can even find a couple of full episodes on YouTube, should you not have Netflix at this time, which I'd be shocked by now if there's any parent that got through the (laughs) pandemic without Netflix. And Keiji, tell us where people can find you. I can be found on LinkedIn. No, but um, also... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. More fun. I can be found on Instagram. It's just my name, KG Shojovi. And I post stuff about the show and about engineering and then just generally about my life. I'm interested in a lot of things. So. Amazing. Well, we'll make sure we link all of that up yes. on the Cool Mom Picks podcast page so you can easily find her. She's got a lot of incredible things to share even beyond science. Oh, thank you both so much. This has been great. All right. Well, it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. KG, you're our guest. No pressure, but you get to go first. (laughs) Okay. My cool pick of the week is pumpkins. Um, (laughs) Yes. We have entered my favorite season. And as soon as they were available, I went to the store and bought a couple little, uh, they call them pie pumpkins because I love baking as well. And Mm. uh, during the fall, I love baking pumpkin related things. So yeah, this past weekend, I cut open my pumpkins and roasted them. I saved the seeds and then roasted those. So I've got little pumpkin seed snacks. I've got some roasted pumpkin to use in cookies, pumpkin bread, even um, I've got an acai bowl thing going right now. And I've been curious about replacing the acai puree with pumpkin for the fall and seeing what kind of a bowl situation I can make there. I haven't tried that yet. Okay. So where are you in the pumpkin spice debate? Are you like, yes, "Yes, pumpkin spice (laughs) or like, no pumpkin, no spice? I think I'm as basic as basic can be. Curious about replacing the acai puree with pumpkin for the fall and seeing what kind of a bowl situation I can make there. I haven't tried that yet. Okay. So where are you in the pumpkin spice debate? Are you like, 
like, yes, yes pumpkin spice <laughs> yes. or like, no pumpkin, no spice. I think I'm as basic as basic can be. I, I'll get a pumpkin spice. <laughs> yeah. Just, I'm living that life. <laughs> as soon as they were available, I was like, pumpkin spice me, please. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Live in the pumpkin spice life. We actually have a whole bunch of recipes on Cool Mom Eats about <gasps> things you can make with pumpkin that has nothing to do with pumpkin spice. Yes. So you're I not alone. I love it. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to look that up. Yeah. And you know what? I don't know how this would be, but we have one of our lovely editors, Christina, is working on a post about fall smoothie recipes. I don't know where the pumpkin could fit in there. I don't know about that one. I am not as daring. But (laughs) hearing you talk about your acai bowls, maybe. It's an interesting thing to think about. But um, yeah, I'd love to see if there's anything in the smoothie category that could work. Okay. We will report back. (laughs) Now we have our work cut out for us. Yes. (laughs) Christina, are you listening? Yes. (laughs) I hypothesize, Liz, that pumpkin will not be delicious in smoothies. <laughs> Who will prove my theory? Well, let's get some experiments going. Come yes, on. Yes, let's do it. Well, if it goes bad, at least you have the pumpkin seeds. Uh-huh. <laughs> Those yes. are always a good fallback. <laughs> so it's funny you brought up pumpkins because yes. here's my pick. Similarly, maybe you could get one while you get your pumpkin. My pick is a snake plant. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Okay, so inspired by Kristen in part and by the pandemic and needing to like nurture something into life in my small New York apartment, (laughs) I started gathering plants and I've always killed plants. I've never been a good plant person. And I finally (laughs) found that's because I did not have snake plants and I kind of avoided them. They're like those kind of spiky, tall, they're like tall, thick grass. Well, here's the thing. You can't kill them. <laughs> you can, uh-huh. those things will grow in a closet, I'm telling you. And so wow. I have like a couple big ones that look great in the bedroom. I have a couple small ones around like on my desk. They make me so happy. Oh and goodness. so for those of you who are like, I need some plants, but I kill everything snake plants. Okay. This is good for me because I kill plants too, man. I'm really trying, but (laughs) Um, snake plants. Yes. Really. I will send you some links to some snake plants, but you know, the truth is here in New York, we can just get them at like a local deli, you know, for $8 or something and they grow just fine. You gotta love New York, right? You can get a Bialy and a snake plant. (laughs) And a pumpkin. (laughs) And a pumpkin. (laughs) And sometimes a samosa, which is like my favorite thing about New York. And and by the way, the trick is get a nice vase or a nice planter because like any plant can look beautiful if you have like a really great planter. So invest in the planter and you don't have to spend a lot on the snake plant. Okay. So how about you, Kristen? Well, my cool pick of the week is kind of on brand because it's the cool picks of the week email. So I took the idea from Spawn because we get all kinds of responses. You know, people are like, we love your guests. They're awesome. But can we talk about cool picks of the week? Can we tell you our cool pick of the week? So we started an email. So if you go to coolmompicks.com slash subscribe, you will get our emails. We do not inundate people with email. It's like maybe two a week at the most. But I've been sharing my favorite things, beauty products, fashion, favorite causes, books, things I'm watching, all in an email. And you can't find them anywhere else. They're not on the website. They're not on the podcast. They're not on social media. They're nowhere. And so we've been getting a great response. And I think, Liz, you're up next. You're about to share all of your favorites too. Yep. I've started putting together a list, including like an app I love, a book I love. Yeah. It's just like fun stuff. And sometimes it's like something that I just see is on sale at Nordstrom that I am like, oh, I want this so badly. So I'll just spread it out to the world. So at least you can have it, even if I can. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is very giving of Your you. Your new shoes are my joy. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So you can go to coolmompicks.com slash subscribe to sign up for our email and you'll get that once a week. And of course, everything that we spoke about, we will link up 
Do pumpkins have their own website? You know what? <laughs> That's a very good point. I wouldn't be surprised. There's probably a right? cool Instagram or something. Like the yeah. U.S. Pumpkin Board oh, lobbyist yeah. organization for the vegetable. Right. Yes, the U.S. Okay, pumpkin I'm going to look this up afterwards. Like the pumpkin and gourd industry. <laughs> right, because avocados. I mean, what's so special? I mean, I love avocados, but pumpkins should have their own board too. You I know, it can't just be avocados. gourd industry. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Spawn. Huge thanks to our incredible guest, KG Shojobi. And thank you to our amazing engineer, as always, John Bowen. If you've got a moment and you can leave us a five-star review, I mean, chop, chop, people. There are no new reviews for the last couple weeks. I know it's busy time. I get it. You know it. what? I was inspired. I started leaving some more reviews this week. Good. I thought I'd put it out there. Like, good news. You did. Apps that I like where they're like, yes. do you want to rate this app? I always say no. And I'm like, why not? I'll give it five stars. I like this app. Why wouldn't yes. I want to support them? That is so, good juju. So good I'm, for you. Yeah, I'm putting it yes. out there. We would greatly appreciate your time. Of course, when you subscribe and you download our episodes, it helps other listeners find us. You know what the easiest thing you can do, though, is just text a friend an episode. It's like super easy. If you're on an app, just send them an episode and be like, I'm really cool. I listen to podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) And here is an episode. I think you should listen. I actually did that last week. I had a friend who was talking about the mental load and I said, do I have a podcast for you? And I sent her our interview with Eve Rodsky and she wrote back and said, perfect. This was exactly what I needed to hear. She's not a mom. She just was like, this is in my wheelhouse. And I was like, we're not just for moms, believe it or not. There are men, (laughs) there are women without children. There's all kinds of people that like our podcast. Hopefully not too many small children. Yes. But you know, of course. And (laughs) you can also join us on Facebook. So we obviously have our Cool Mom Picks Facebook page. We have a lot of groups. We have the Spawn podcast community where we talk about the episodes. You know, if you're not subscribed for whatever reason, although you should do that, we pop all the new episodes there. And then we've got Out Tech Your Kids and Recipe Rescue. We've got a lot happening on Facebook, of course, also on Instagram and Twitter too. So make sure you join us over there. We would love to have you and reach out. We would love to hear from you, hear your thoughts on episodes. We love talking with you. Thank you so much for listening to Spawn. This is Liz. And this is Kristen. Have a great day. Bye.